Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is Derby Day. It has been and gone. And Newcastle United won the game 3-0 here at the Stadium of Light. I'm Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined by Aaron Stokes. It is, shall we say, a Monday show on a Saturday. And thankfully, Newcastle have won the first weird-time derby since March 2016. Aaron, just sum up your thoughts on what you saw today. Well, first and foremost, I just want to talk about the huge weight that's been lifted off my shoulders. That's been burdening since before Christmas. Um, look, a lot of nerves going into that game. I think my personal opinion at the minute is just feeling of relief. I'm, I'm not sure it's really sank in. I'm sure it will when we finish work tonight and crack open a beer. But um, Newcastle weren't at their best. So I don't think they needed to be. They just had to get the job done. They did. They were patient. Um, and hopefully, as we were saying yesterday on the show this can be the catalyst to turn the season around. Yes, yes, 100%. And I, I agree with you. Sunderland were, were, were bang average. It was maybe the, the youth that that, that that team's built on showing that they can't quite match the experience that Newcastle United had. I did think in the, in the first half, Newcastle were careless in possession. I wanted them to be a bit more clinical with the pass because Sunderland were, were open. Um, but then Newcastle United got the all-important goal, the goal that matters when you really aren't maybe playing at your best. Uh, Joe Linton running through and forcing an own goal from the Sunderland defender. And I, I would like to start there, actually, Aaron. Joe Linton, he goes off after just a couple of minutes in the second half after picking up an injury late in the first half. He was excellent in those 45 minutes, I thought. Um, and it'll be a big blow. I'm sorry to, to go straight to a negative, but it'll be a huge blow if he's missing against Man City and further on. Well, we've just been in Eddie Howe's press conference, haven't we? And he, Eddie Howe even said that that's the one negative today is the fact that Newcastle United have potentially lost such a key player. He was man of the match for the, the time he was on the pitch. I think it was telling that Newcastle scored that second goal so early in the second half and then instantly, before the ball had even been you know, back into play and restarted, Joe Linton was off for Lewis Miley. There's clearly, it looks like a groin issue there, um, hopefully not too serious. But as you say, I think Newcastle didn't need to be at their best today, did they? We were sat next to each other at the game and we were sort of, you know, moaning a little bit in the first 30 minutes, of, you know, balls being sprayed out of air, uh, you know, out of play. You had Newcastle keeping the ball and enjoying a lot of possession but they weren't really doing anything with it um, and equally you you know, you know, kept saying if Sunderland just pressed us a little bit more here if they just put a little bit of pressure on they might be able to get something here but there was just none of that from them until about the 60th minute um, and I think Michael Beale and Sunderland will look back on this game and think why did we not give it a little bit more of a go earlier on Newcastle will be thankful it didn't um, it was just a workmanlike professional performance Yeah I do think Sunderland might look back on the game 
um, as an opportunity miss, especially that first half when Newcastle were looking a little bit nervous, I think it's fair to say, on the ball. But once they got into the game, once they calmed it down, you could see, you know, that there was there was quality um, between the, the two sides. And then we go into uh, the second half, Aaron, and, you know, obviously we've mentioned that Joe Linson substitution, Lewis Miley comes on. I was surprised... I wasn't surprised actually. I was I was gutted that Lewis Miley didn't start the game, but I did I did predict it on the podcast that he would be dropped out of the side. And actually, looking at the few, looking at the moments Lewis Miley had, it did look like maybe the occasion got the better of him. Unfortunately, I mean he'll he'll be all the better for it. Massive learning curve, but maybe well not maybe. Actually, I do think Eddie Howe probably made the right call when it comes to that midfield. Yeah, I think he did. Um, I think. You obviously wanted Miley to start, I think, for sentimental reasons. One one part of that would have been good to see him play. Obviously, a local lad in such a big game. I think now that we've seen him come on for the last you know 45 minutes of the game, it did look like the occasion got to him. He looked nervous. He looked like he was... Um, yeah, like, you know, he was giving the ball away. He, was, he had a crunch and tackle put on him, didn't he, by Luke O'Neill. Um And I think Sean Longstaff had to go over and have a word to both O'Neill and Miley. I mean, there was some Sunderland fans in front of us telling the players to, to break his legs, which probably wasn't uh, what he wanted to hear. Good job we were up in the stands when we heard that. But, look, he'll learn from it. You've got to remember he's only 17. Yes, he's been fantastic, but the occasion probably got the better of him today, thankfully. You know, Newcastle were already comfortable at that stage. But, um, yeah, they just needed to show, I think, a bit of control and, and a bit of leadership on the pitch just to calm the nerves. And, I th- you know, I thought that came through. You know, it's a derby game. Certain players are going to be targeted inevitably. And Keegan Trippier was one of those who was targeted. And, um, you know, he's, he's he's come in after a bad run of form. He was, of course, he was a doubt for this game, which he was never a doubt, really. I thought he played quite well actually in, in what was a, I probably a very testing atmosphere for him given everything that, that's gone on in recent weeks well we spoke about it yesterday and I think it was always going to be the case that if Kieran Trippier was 67% fit enough to play he was going to be involved I think there was no way we were going to see him come in today and sit on the bench he was either going to be rested completely and left out the squad or he was going to come in from the start we obviously saw him walking in with the team about an hour or two before uh, the team news came in we sort of thought okay that's him backing from the start. I thought he was actually very, very good. Um, you know, Jack Clark, who everyone billed as Sunderland's danger man, hardly touched the ball. Same goes for Joe Bellingham. Um, and I think that was down to trip. Yeah, his set pieces probably could have been a little bit a little bit better, but I don't think you can grumble from what we've seen of trip in the last couple of weeks to what we saw today was was absolutely night and day. Let's talk about the second goal of the game then, Alexander Isaac putting it into the back of the net and it was a, a Sunderland mistake that Newcastle United capitalised on uh, I think Equa giving the ball away and, and Miggy uh, jumped onto it um, and what was interesting I thought um, about the second goal was that Almiron actually made the right decision and he's been criticised in recent weeks for his poor decision making in the box where maybe he's taking a shot on instead of passing it but in that moment and it's a very difficult to do but in that moment He's calm and he's collective and he picks the pass where most people probably would have fired towards goal and he just rolls it to Isaac and Isaac does the rest and pops it in the back of the net. It might sound a little bit stupid because he hasn't actually scored in the derby but somebody's just asked Eddie how there is that a big confidence booster for him and the fact that he's got that assist um, under his belt and I thought he had quite a good performance he looked lively, he looked dangerous um, I think that will do him the world of good I think there's I thought he was going to shoot when he nicked the ball off Ekwab, which, by the way, was fantastic pressing from him less than 60 seconds into the second half. He ultimately makes the right decision. Igak's got a tap in, um, and it will. It'll do him the world good. And I'm glad to see that he, one, started today, 
Um, two put in a very, very good performance because I think some of the some of the negativity around Alma in the last couple of weeks has been really, really disappointing to see. Yeah, my uncle actually texted me and said uh, that Miguel Miron was his man of the match today. So there you go, and he did, he put in a good shift. And I think, like I say, once the nerves settled, I think it was really important that Sunderland didn't get an early goal because I think that then changes the entire tone of the game. I just think once Newcastle got into the rhythm, were a bit better on the ball, and he saw in the second half, there was just a strong element of control, wasn't there? I mean, they were all in with 64, 65 minutes um, on the clock. Um, and then obviously the third goal comes, a penalty. I mean, we... we was was there a, a shout for a penalty in the first half? Do you think? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because half the uh, half the people we spoke to in the press box thought that it was a penalty. I think, having only seen one real replay of it on a very small TV up in the gods, I'm not too sure. It looks 50-50. It looks like it's maybe shoulders. It looks like maybe Isaac goes down very soft. Um, there's absolutely no question about the second one. Though I think Dan Ballard just threw his hands up straight away and knew what was coming. Um, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned Anthony Gordon yet, who I thought was absolutely fantastic. It took him a while to grow in the game. First 20, 30 minutes, he was really, really quiet. Um, and then after that, he had Tri Hume on toast, um, who was very, very lucky not to be sent off as well. So um, good performance from him. Absolutely clinical, driving at the Sunderland defence for the third goal, which is what we wanted. Um, and it was never really in doubt, was it, when he's accepted? You know, I mean, the first uh, Isaac incident, I, I didn't think it was apparently. I thought he went down far too easy. I thought he was already going down before the tangle of arms. The second, uh, the second uh, penalty uh, call was definitely penalty. You know, Gordon just. But again, it comes from a Sunderland mistake, doesn't it? You know, Sunderland careless in possession. Isaac forces the mistake. Gordon pounces on the ball, and once he's down that left wing, once he's free, it's only going to either end up with a shot and goal. Or foul than ends up with it with a penalty, doesn't it? And yes, you're right. Gordon definitely looked back to his best. Uh, he, like you say, he had he had most of the defenders on, on on toast. We've got to see more of that. Hopefully, this is the start for not just Gordon but Newcastle to get that momentum going and, and, and the ball rolling. Absolutely, and I think one thing on Gordon, and I think it's something that you, I, a lot of Newcastle fans have noticed in recent weeks, is that he's looked off the pace, hasn't he? He's looked unfit. He's looked like he's been carrying some form of knock, and I think. This goes for Gordon and it goes for the entire team. They're going to absolutely relish the fact that they've only really got two games in the next two and a half weeks. Such a key thing because after having 10 games in 30 days and how spent they all looked, crashing out of two competitions in the process, watching their league form go down the drain, it's really, really good to see that as we've, you know, we keep saying, is this going to be the catalyst? Hopefully it is. But they're going to absolutely really look forward to it. One, a little bit of time on the training pitch, which they haven't had in the last couple of weeks. Uh, two, a little bit of a rest. Obviously, they've got the, the sort of the short winter break in between City and Villa. Um, and I wouldn't back against Newcastle, stringing a really good couple of uh, results together. It's amazing what a win can do, isn't it? Look <laughs> at the optimism now seeping out of you, Aaron. Uh, but you're right, really key that they got this this, this victory because you, you can't lose a derby as much as you know, Eddie Howe is, is everyone's favourite. Losing a derby does does bad things to a manager. But thankfully, they've, they have um, gone. And also, just, just on that, how crucial was it today for Eddie Howe to win an FA Cup game as Newcastle United manager? Because we had Cambridge two years ago, we had Sheffield Wednesday this time last year. If he'd made it the hat-trick, um, you know, it would have really... I mean, look, let, let's talk a bit about Eddie Howe because we haven't yet. We spoke yesterday about how the fact he, he, he shouldn't be on the brink, you know, he shouldn't be under pressure. But had they lost today, 
I think I think we would have seen a little turning of the tide with some section of the supporters, rightly or wrongly. Um, so for him, I'm glad that hopefully this puts it to bed for a little bit. You know, the pressure that he was under from some sections of the fan base hopefully goes. Um, a very very good draw tomorrow in the in the uh, in the FA Cup draw, and the season's just switched on its head like that. 100% um, and hopefully Newcastle can progress because actually being in the fourth round is not something that, that, that really captures the imagination it's all been about the derby understanding but Newcastle United are into the fourth round and hopefully they can progress in a tournament which has not served them well at all in recent seasons um, let's talk about Bruno in the middle we know what he's all about passionate plays with his heart on his sleeve and the moment uh, midway through the 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 uh, was it the midway through the second half yeah. I think and he just was it even in the first half there was a moment anyway where he celebrates a total non uh, event on the on the pitch like he's just scored the winning goal in a World Cup final <laughs> and the players loved it he clearly loves uh, the, the fans loved sorry he clearly loves uh, whipping the fans up into a frenzy what did you make of his performance today really really good again a proper proper solid performance him and Joel Linton were the standout in the first half for me the two and I think it just got better in the second half um, he sort of taught off for the last couple of weeks more than more than most just that little bit of calm on the ball he's trying to break the play up he's the only one in that midfield that looks like okay I'm going to get on the ball and I'm going to try and make things happen um, really good and I think yeah that moment in the second half where he literally blocks the ball to go out for a Sunderland goal kick um and he, and he celebrates, as you say, like he's just scored a 30-yard screamer. Um, the, the funniest part for me was that the Sunderland captain five minutes later, Luke O'Neill, tried that when he won a tackle. And I was just sat there thinking, mate, yeah, fair play, but you're 2-0 down, do you know what I mean? Fair play, you know, gesturing at the crown, whip my hands up, but maybe try to do it on the pitch first. So. A poor man's Bruno. What, what did you make of the physicality and the passion on the pitch? I mean, there was one flash point between uh, Gordon and, and a Sunderland defender. Isaac comes rushing in. There's another couple of Sunderland, Sunderland defenders come rushing in as well. I mean, what did you make of it? Did it feel like a good old derby? I think it. I think it did. I think there was a lot of heavy challenges in the first half. A lot of physicality. Eddie House just came out and spoke to us and said he felt like it was a really, really physical game. Um, I think it was good to see that Newcastle went in with from the off. You know, the tackles were raging in. In the press box where we obviously were at the top of the stadium, so we were sat behind a full stand of Sunderland fans who were really, you know, every time Sunderland won a tackle on the rare occasion that they did, the fans were into them and cheering them and, you know, getting off their seat. I thought it had a really good derby feel. Um, even though, the, as you say, there was only one real flashpoint where you thought things were going to sort of boil over. Um, but Eddie, how will have wanted that? How many people this week will have said, oh, I can see Joel and get sent off, I can see Bruno getting sent off? How many people would have had them in their, in their accumulators to pick up a yellow card a day? And Newcastle kept the heads. Sunderland, you know, maybe lost it a couple of times. Um, and Eddie Howe will be really, really pleased about that. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely will be. Show the discipline that's maybe been lacking um, in recent weeks. And I just want to finish off, Aaron. We're just going to cross this road and we're going to try not to get uh, run over. I've gone. You following? You're following. Look at that. Calm there. He's just walking across. I've sprinted across there. Um, I just want to finish with Jason Tyndall. Jason Tyndall being Jason Tyndall. So the players and the staff go over at full time to the weekend. They're clapping. They're applauding. There's, there's fist bumps. And then he gets the club photographer, Serena. He points out and says, come on over. 
and Jason Tindall has only organised that famous dressing room victory picture that goes out every time Newcastle Knight win. He's only organised it to do it on the turf at the Stadium of Light. I mean, we've been talking about, and excuse my French, if you've got any kids, I'm about to say a bad word, I do apologise, the shithousery that's been missing from Newcastle of late, that's made them so famous. I mean, that is the utter shithousery there from Jason Tindall, isn't it? Well, there was some Sunderland fans who were, you know, chanting again, and I'm going to say a bad word here, you know, what the, what the fucking hell is that at the end? And I was thinking, oh, that just screams how rattled they were by it. It was a very, very bold move. I saw Tyndall gesturing over at the bench, and I thought he wanted the, um, the coaching staff to um, join in with the, with the sort of uh, the celebrations in front of the away, and I didn't realise what they were doing until, as you say, Serena walks over and gets her camera out. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Look, I think for the away fans today who had a very, very early start on those buses piled in, which, by the way, looked like it worked an absolute treat. You were obviously there on the walk. You've, you've got the footage of it. Um, they've had an absolutely fantastic day. And, I, you know, yesterday, how there was such a nervous energy for this around the city. I was absolutely racked with nerves until kick-off, until the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the game. And I think now it's just about enjoying it because who knows when the next derby will be. Has it whetted the appetite? No, not at all. So you could go another decade without one? Go another 10 years easily without the nerves that I felt this morning. Um, and any talk that you have about you know getting Sunderland back in the Premier League, no, absolutely not. Look, I just want to say on that theory, Kieran Trippier in an interview with Just Scott said he wouldn't mind Sunderland back in the Premier League because he wants a derby um, every possible event that he can play. But I get it, we're not going to go into that. Aaron, what a day here on Wearside for Newcastle United. Victory over Sunderland, 3-0, the first derby since 2016. The first win for Newcastle since 2011. They have done it. It's been far too long. Go on. And they've now got 54 derby wins to Sunderland's 53. Let's not forget that. They've now edged ahead of them in the all-time air charts. There we go. Aaron, bringing out the facts that you didn't know you needed. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hit uh, follow, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review. And we'll catch you guys on Monday.